welcome to I See Star Wars, a podcast about vintage Star Wars action figures. I am your host, Michael Havens, creator of The Imperial Commissary. Come with me, I will be your guide as we journey through the incredible universe of vintage Star Wars collectibles. Hello and welcome back to another exciting episode of I See Star Wars. This is episode 16 and this week we have Ron Salvatore as our special guest star collector and we are talking about R2-D2 with a solid dome. First up, we're going to hop right into the Ask Mike section of IZ Star Wars. Ask Mike is a section where I usually put up a post on the Imperial Commissary, and I ask everybody to ask me any of their questions about the IC, about ICCC, about myself, collecting, toys, Star Wars, whatever. Um, and they ask me these questions, they put them up there, and I don't read the post until I actually record the podcast. So all the questions are fresh, and I just spout them off and I do my best to answer them sometimes folks stump me sometimes they don't uh, but all the time it's fun but I'm trying out a brand new format idea I just took, did a uh, test and that's why I'm recording this section of the podcast right now is because I'm very excited about it I just did a test on the Imperial Commissary which is the Facebook page that uh, spawned all of this it went unbelievably well so I am going to go live tonight on the IC at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time, but since this podcast is coming out way later, uh, it won't matter when I go live. But I'm going to go live on the IC tonight, and I'm going to ask the members any questions they have live on video, but also record it for the podcast. I'm going to see if this format works. Please shoot me your emails, shoot me your replies, shoot me your responses, shoot me a PM on Messenger. Uh, just let me know if you like it, hate it, if you like the new format or not. So without further ado, here is the brand new format for Ask Mike. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first? Welcome to the Ask Mike section of IC Star Wars. Today we're doing something a little bit different. We are currently live on the Imperial Commissary. We are doing a live video here on VIC, and we are going to ask the members questions, and I'm going to answer them live on air right now. And then I will record this. We are recording right now, and we will put this into the current podcast that will be coming out with special guest star Ron Salvatore. Okay, folks, we are going to go to your questions. Right now there are a few people watching on the IC, and we are going to go over here and get some questions, and we are going to answer those questions so let me scroll down here first question is from a member jordan p peltzer love your podcast brother thank you very much jordan i appreciate that what is your least favorite vintage item playset or figure least favorite vintage item i would have to say is a playset or many playsets pretty much anything that's made out of cardboard um like the cloud city playset as much as i actually like the picture on it and the artwork um i find that Way back in the day when Kenner started pumping out those cardboard playsets, uh, they were really phoning it in and trying to make it as cheaply as possible, which I understand. But, I mean, there is no substitute for a Hoth uh, playset compared to, like, I don't know, a, 
hmm, like a, a Bespin playset or a, even even the Cantina with that backdrop. I don't know. I, I really like the stuff that is pressed or molded. Like the Ewok Village, I think, is one of the best playsets. So, yeah, definitely the cardboard stuff. Next up, Joseph Dennis. Is it true? I suspect you mean all of it. And, yes, it is true. Dan Kissel, what's up, Mikey? Hey, Dan, how you doing, brother? Uh, Mark McCulley from earlier, what is your second favorite character? Hmm. That's tough. I'd say my second favorite character... I don't know. My wife has the Leia and Jawa collection. I do like Leia a lot. Um, but I would say my second... Oh, my second favorite character, definitely AT-AT Driver. Uh, I love the AT-AT Driver. I think he has an awesome helmet. I think he's one of the most underrated figures out there. So, Mark, uh, definitely AT-AT Driver. Steven Serbowski, is there a central place where main variants can be located? Red Bar 5, Red Bar R5, Hollow Tubes... Gray, white, Obi-Wan, etc. Not much different manufacturers or foreign versions. Just what is available here stateside. Um, I don't know what you mean by main variants located. Uh, you can locate variants by searching hunting the wild, hunting the IC, hunting everywhere. Um, and you start clicking off your variants over time. Uh, the gray hair Obi and white hair Obi, those are American. Well, they're everywhere. Uh, lots of the Kenner ones were also produced and painted overseas too. Uh, all of them. So... I don't know. As far as your question, where, where could I find main variants? I would say you can hunt them anywhere. Where could you find an actual just list of main variants? You really can't just find one list. There's lots of different places you can start checking. Uh, the Imperial Gunnery is a great place. Um, also, Jedi Business or 12back.com or... Uh, what is SWCA, um, the SWCA Star Wars Collector's Archive. Anything like that can help you figure out variants or else just ask. And uh, once you get your actual list together, then that's what you can choose to collect. Um, I do count the hollow tubes and I do count the vinyl cape Jawa, but that's just me. And to tell you the truth, the reason why I count those is because of the display that I have. Um, it has slots for them, so... <laughs> Kevin Potter, hello, Mr. Havens. Hey, hello, Kevin Potter, how are you? Steven Cerboski, thanks in advance, you got it, brother. Josh Pence, Mike, how's it going? Good. John Carlson, Johan Carlson, I see a lot of people use mint when they describe the condition of items. Define mint, let's say, on ships and figures. Well, that's a tough one. Um, mint, I find to be anything close to as original as possible uh the paint being good no real scratches stuff like that mint is a tough word anytime you ever get into grading it's tough um because grading you have to follow a whole bunch of different things and you have to follow them every single time and then you can have a grade label um like a grading company and those folks it's all grading is opinionated Every single last piece of grading has to do with opinions. The thing is, is the major grading companies, they have all these different things that they find to be what qualifies a figure as a good grade. And they take all those figures and they put them into this algorithm and they plug in all the numbers each time they do this stuff. And that's how they figure out that stuff. If I was just to pick up something here, I don't know. I mean just pick up a Boba Fett, I could say, well, this is a mint Boba Fett. But it's not really a mint Boba Fett. I mean... There's scratches on the chest there and on the face there, but it's a nice enough Boba Fett. I try to stick away from the word mint unless it looks ridiculously nice. Um, I would suggest trying to stick to mint as anything as graded that would grade an 80 or plus. Um, 
But also it's tough because, I mean, I would grade this completely different than anyone else would grade it. The grading companies, all the grading companies grade differently than the other grading companies. Um, it's, it's an objective opinion. You have to decide which opinion you follow, and then that will tell you um, what really is your figure. But mint, I try to stay away from. Minty, I don't really like. The only things that are minty are mint ice cream or things you ingest. Um, those things are minty. Uh toys are mint uh and they're only mint if they're really really mint i mean they got to look really nice i'm looking around my desk here to see if i have anything that's like dead mint and maybe like this leia is pretty mint but you see like her hair and everything it's like very nice and no damage or anything like that that's something i would consider mint as opposed to something where it's very very nice like this boba but it's not mint mint so you know but I mean, all right, look at this boba, for example, just this one that I happen to pick up. You see these marks right here and right here and right there and right there. That's all from the factory. That's actually factory paint. So the thing is, is even when this Boba Fett way back in the day was on the package, if he was just fell out of the bubble, bubble falls off and you send it directly into a grading company. I mean, he's going to lose points for all the bad work that was done at the factory so i don't know if you can call anything mint because i don't know i mean i guess you can you can call anything whatever you want however you sell it is the way you sell it that's your call but uh always look at pictures always double check your stuff but mint's a tough word because even before they're packaged sometimes they get nicks and scratches or over paints just like this one i happen to pick up uh so that doesn't even count uh, next up, uh, Mark, sorry, Mike, I meant character in the movie, not f action figure. Guess I should have been a two-part question. Okay, which is my second favorite character in the movie? Definitely Han Solo. Han Solo is the best. Han Solo is the coolest. Um, if I could be Han Solo when I grow up, I would. He's awesome. Uh, Robert Otterneth. Otterneth? I think Robert Otterneth. We'll give it a shot. Other than Star Wars, what's another vintage toy line you collect or just appreciate a lot in general? Um, I do not collect any other vintage toy line. I don't. Um, as far as appreciate in general, I appreciate anything. If you collect it and you dig it, that's totally fine. If you like MOTU, I have a Voltron downstairs, but that's because like, I played with Voltron when I was a little kid. It's not like I collect Voltron. I just have one. Um, but... Anything you want to collect, MOTO, Geo Joe, that's all great. Um, as far as anything else I collect, I'm looking around. I literally have nothing that isn't Star Wars. It's just not really my thing. I would say other things I collect. I collect watches or pens or, um, hmm, no real toys though. I'm, I'm really trying to think. I have like nothing. You know what I do have? I do have an Aquaman, Aquaman superpowers. And the only reason why is it was in this wild find. And I remember having one when I was a kid because you squeeze his legs and he swims or something like that. And uh, so I kept them. But that's about it. And that's only one. And it's really because it ended up in my house. And I was like, well, it just may as not well may well not just bother sell selling it. So I don't know. So I kept it. And it's still here. Uh, next up, Phil LeBlanc. Hey, what's up, buddy? Jason Courtney, hi. James Ford, what's your thoughts on the new retro line? Well, that's a loaded question. <laughs> My thoughts on the new retro line. Hmm. Well, all right, I have a couple thoughts. I think it's good that Hasbro made them different enough that you can't, they're not really, well, 
they're not really repro, even though they kind of sort of fall into the definition of repro. Um, the card backs are never going to be confused. They feel like thin, flimsy paper. Uh, the bubbles have, like, trays. The figures, even though directly from the front in a certain light, they could be confused. Um, they are a little bit different in size, and from the back or the side or anything like that, nobody's ever going to get them confused. Um, and if you look really, really hard, you can't get them confused. So I don't really have an issue with it. Uh, Hasbro owns the Star Wars line. They can literally pump out exact same copies of the figures we have. So I'm happy that they didn't do that, even though it's legally their right. Um, I think it's kind of neat, personally, because eventually when they're everywhere and I could just go grab some, I mean, think of all the cool things we can do again with Star Wars figures that you really can't do. You're not going to take a $110 white cape Leia and tie her to a bottle rocket, you know, and launch her into space. But you could do that with a $9 one from Target. Um, so I think that's the cool part of it. I think that, like everything, whether it's movies, TV, whatever, people should try to have their own ideas. And I think if they would have just bothered to send a Hasbro spy over to IC uh, Customs, the IC Customs group, they would have had plenty of brand new ideas uh, to try out instead of just rehashing something that we have. <laughs> uh, next up, Marcus Doring. I noticed that you are drumming up a lot more exposure, sounds, etc. for this year's ITCC. Great job, and can we expect more over the next months? Yes, sir, you will expect lots more over the next months. There will be tons more stuff. I even have more guest stars I haven't even announced, uh, which will be really cool, and some really good guest stars like, uh, I don't know, Ernie Hudson, stuff like that. I have a lot of guest stars that haven't been released because, see, what happened last year is for the convention, it went really great, and all the people that came were great, and people came from these groups, and they came from all over the world, and there was more vintage Star Wars in that place. Buy, sell, and trade was awesome, phenomenal, blah, 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 blah. Loved it. The only problem was is getting the locals more and more and more. So what do I need to do? I need to get it in more local hands. That's why the deal that we have with Sonic, uh, Sonic the Food, um, they're going to put a whole bunch of our flyers all over the summer through Middle Tennessee in all their bags, uh, their takeout bags and car hop bags. And stuff like that is really going to hype it more. And yes, the Nashville Sounds is going to be great. We're going to go to the Star Wars Day. We're going to talk ICCC. We're going to maybe put it up on the Diamond Visions board. Uh, but all those things, you reach more and more people that are local. And that's what we need, is we need those local people. Um, and the more local people we have, the more strong this con will become. And then the more people we can get in the future, the more attractions and stuff like that. So yes, it is definitely the Empire Strikes Back year. It is definitely ramped up. See, the wonderful thing is, is this year I have 15, one, five, 15 different department heads for ICC con. Um, none of which is me. <laughs> I'm just the guy that runs it and uses my credit card. But, uh, all these other 15 folks that are helping out and there's so many more that are helping out that are in each of those departments but there are 15 heads of these departments from marketing to media to management to all different things uh volunteers there's a different department for every there's even a department for our new video game tournament that's a separate department so see all these different departments are putting in work which allows me more time to put up a post to go see the sounds to go talk to people in person to go work my contacts at fox and cw and my tv 30 and to go work the contacts at the symphony and to go try to talk to the people at monster or all these other different companies that do have a good foothold in middle tennessee but just don't know about us yet and the reason why they 
they don't know about us yet is because whenever you talk to people, only a few hear you. And you have to keep doing it over and over and over. And you folks out there have to keep doing it. And you share it with the hashtag ICCCon um, and help me out. Every post you post is one less post I have to post. We need to get lots and lots of people to come. I will never let it oversell. So I will make sure to stop it at that. But we do need to sell the tickets that we can sell. Um, and that way we can keep making it better and better every year. Because I really want to make this awesome. And to make this awesome, but to also not charge for parking, to not upcharge on autographs, to not... Uh, charge expensive money on food, to not bang up the vendors on the vendor table prices, to not beat you up at the door, to give kids free entry on Sunday and $10 for an entire weekend pass. Stuff like that we like to do and we like to offer. Uh, but in order to do that, we have to sell lots of tickets. So that way we can keep doing this every year. But we're going to keep doing it every year anyway because I got no sense. But uh, it's working really, really well this year, and there have been so many more people buying tickets and vendor booths and stuff like that at this point than there were last year that it has afforded me, and all those people working those departments, it, it has afforded me so much more time to go to lunches, to do meetings. Uh, I just had a great meeting with uh, you know, the hip-hop trooper, uh, Strider. He lives here down in Nashville. Um, he's lived here for the past couple years, and I just had a great meeting with him because uh, he's going to come out and he's going to do our $1,000 cost play contest and the reason why is because he's connected to that world and all these people that are doing these different things they all have a connection to that community that they are building the thing for and so this truly is a convention truly for collectors by collectors next up brandon yay with a gif jiff is a gif or jiff i don't know uh, Justin Tharp, does AFA grade tougher than CAS in your opinion, Mike? Well, that's a loaded question, and that's tough because I am live. But I'll answer it live. I said I'll answer anything. I believe AFA does have a different grading system than CAS. Um, I believe CAS can reach a little bit farther with some of the casing options they provide. Um, I do believe AFA grades tougher or harder. Um, I believe one of the reasons why AFA grades tougher or harder is because they have had, uh, I think they're coming up on almost 20 years years now of doing this which is exceptional afa does a great job um but the thing is is that that 20 years that they're coming up on has given them a lot of time to tweak things if you go look at a afa graded figure like one of the ones without the uh breakdown like from 10 10 years ago or whatever and you go look at those and then you compare those i mean the grade the the way that every company grades changes over time constantly so you can't really i can't give you the best answer for that question i use both companies all the time i have afa graded stuff and i have cas graded stuff right here um i find they both do different things wonderfully absolutely and i like both the companies and there is nothing better in any market than competition and uh that's what they provide each other and that is what has made us so many nicer cases so many nicer display options i mean some of the stuff that both these companies are knocking out now are night and day farther advanced than they were even two years ago three years ago uh, another question, Mark McCulley, have you ever seen something grade at 100? I have never seen a 100 grade. Um, the highest I have ever had is a 90. Uh, I have heard there is, I have heard of 95s, uh, and I have heard of maybe one 100, but I might be just full of it. It might be a myth. Who knows? Um, next up, 
Kip Hennequin. What up, Mike? How's it going, brother? It's going great, brother. Kip is going to come out, and uh, just in case you can't make ICCCon for some reason or another, give Kip a contact call and uh, or a PM message, and he will hook you up. He's uh, coming down. He is going to be uh, the sign-in signer, so he goes around to different conventions, and he's willing to stand in line for you, so you can still get your autograph and not have to go. Uh, but uh, he's going to come, and he's going to be the uh, the sign of the official send-in signer or whatever for ICCCon. You could use whomever you want. Um, it's not directly connected, but he's a good dude, and he's going to come out, and he's going to help out the fans, so I think that's really awesome. So, uh, yeah, contact Kip if you need any autographs for uh, ICCCon, and you're not going to be making it. Matthew James, what's up, brother? How you doing? Joe Prada, why hasn't anyone made a book like Kellerman's? Well, uh, people have made lots of books. Lots of books. Books are wonderful. The thing is with books is... Sometimes there's information that it gets incorrect or that there isn't that much information at the time and it becomes outdated. Uh, the Kellerman, as pretty as it is and as cool as it is and as neat of a collection piece it is, it's not the end-all be-all of describing cardbacks and stuff like that anymore because we've come so much farther we've learned so much since then um, books are hard to make you have to have really good graphics people and you have to have really good supplier people um, there's a lot of things that go into building a book I do not know all the things that go into building book I do know those guys uh, down there in Texas just uh, came out with engineering and empire and I know the uh, second uh, Spanish potch book just came out over there in Spain but you can grab those um, there's there's lots of different books Gus and Duncan makes a bunch um, and they're all very very beautiful if you're just looking for a pretty coffee table book I personally only have a Kellerman up here and I just have it because you're supposed to have a Kellerman um, downstairs on the actual coffee table I have Gus and Duncan's prototype book I have Gus and Duncan's big hefty giant price guide book that has everything and then I have uh, the sand sweet book and then I have uh, the Top Toys book from Daniel Segova, and uh, those are the ones that are actually out there because they're the ones that have information that is current or more current, and uh, they're also ones that are very pretty that people like to look through. Um, next up, Bob Freyer. Hello from Pittsburgh. Hello from Nashville, Bob. Paul Chernow, what's up? What's up, Paul? How you doing? Love the podcast. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Phil LeBlanc, will the AFA stand at ICCC take items to grade? Same cost. Yes, sir, Phil. Uh, they do take items to grade. Uh, both the grading companies will take items to grade. You can drop them off right there. And, uh, yeah, I think it's cheaper because there is... Actually, last year, AFA had a coupon code in the booklet. If you let me find a booklet... I don't know where my booklets are from last year. That was last year. But uh, they had a coupon code in the booklet, so I think it would have been cheaper. But either way, you're going to save the shipping. You're going to save the insurance, at least on the one way. Um, so, yeah, if you want to drop off something at AFA, that's a great idea. Come on in. Drop it off. Um, and you don't even have to ship it. <laughs> Next up, Mark. Mark Ruciano and the Mark can rent the cooler tech stuff. I don't know what that means. But that's okay. Mark uh, does the cooler tech stuff for uh, ICCC. Uh, Brendan King, greetings from Ireland. Hello, brother. How are you? <coughs> Excuse me. Bob Fryer, do you collect any Star Wars artwork? 
like fan art by independent artists. Yes, sir, Bob, I do. Um, I love original artwork. If it's an original piece and it connects with me at all, I definitely collect uh, original Star Wars artwork. I also collect um, original actual art art, um, like fine art and uh, modern art, stuff like that. Uh, African, South American, uh, Latin American bunch of different places uh i collect art art um but yeah i love i don't have any in here they're all in the other room but yeah my whole wall is lined with all different things that people have made over the years or i have bought over the years or i saw a print or a proof or something like that or a print or something like that and i would get in contact with the artist and i'd say hey brother you still have the original are you looking to sell it so yes definitely there's star wars artwork all over my house for sure um and I love the Tops cards, especially for the IC members that have become Tops artists. Because um, there's a Tops spy out there on the IC. Uh, I have that on good authority. Next up, Warren Selinski. Are there going to be any cons in the South, particularly in Florida? I just throw one convention, brother. I throw it in Nashville, Tennessee, because that's where I live. ICNashville.com. Uh, but that's where I live, so I throw it in Nashville. I'm trying to make something awesome that I want right next to me. Um, eventually, five years from now, will it move around? Will it become a traveling show? Will it become Barnum & Bailey's Circus? I don't know. Maybe. Um, you asked me five years ago if I was going to throw a convention, I would have told you no way on God's green earth. You asked me 10 years ago if I was going to have a Facebook group about Star Wars, I would have said no way. But I do. Here we are. So who knows what the future will bring, brother. Uh, next up, Rich Wildly. Shout out to Cooper. It's his 16th birthday. What up, Coop? How you doing, brother? God, you're getting old, man. So now you're driving. Trouble. Paul Trineau, do you think the carded figures will ever come back down in price? Um, of course. Nothing lasts forever. Um, everything goes up. Everything goes down. The market goes up. The market goes down. Uh, will they drop in price? Sure. The Let me give you a better answer. What I think is I think figures that are not the popular main characters will not hold their value forever. Um... What do I know? That's just a guess. Um, and even if they do, even if they don't, who cares? This is the fun of the ride. I mean, if you start seeing them go down, it's not like it's going to happen overnight unless there's like a real zombie apocalypse. So if you start seeing them go down and you really want out and you don't want to mess with them and you're nervous, just dump them. It doesn't matter. You can sell them at that time. Whenever you, whenever you feel like you should sell, sell. If you feel like you should keep it, keep it. I mean, there's always another collector out there that's going to be willing to to get them from you, and there will always be that other connector. Collector, will the prices drop? Of course. Everybody I know and hang out with is between, like, 25 and 40. Eventually, all of us are going to retire and go live in a little tiny apartment down in Florida. And you can't bring 1,800 square feet of Star Wars toys to a little tiny apartment in Florida. Uh, next up, Justin Tharp. Did Andrea collect Star Wars before you two met, or is that your doing? It is definitely my doing. Andrea did not collect Star Wars before we met. She actually didn't even see the, um, she was one of those people that was like, well, yeah, I've seen it, but I've seen parts, you know what I mean? It wasn't one of those, yeah, I've seen it 250,000 times. Um, I burnt through three tapes by the time I was 12, you know, nothing like that. But, um, so she did finally watch it a few years back because we did a marathon. She said, oh, it would be cool to do a marathon because Disney bought up Star Wars and they were putting out 
the force awakens tfa so that was very exciting um thank you very much to disney forever for that whether you like tfa or don't like tfa or whatever it gave me the life i love so too bad for you (laughs) i like it um what happened is before tfa we were like oh all right we're gonna go watch the new star wars and she was like let's do a marathon so i said okay I'm always sold to do a Star Wars marathon. So we blow through them all. And I sit there and I explain everything. And she has questions and blah, 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 blah. Oh, they were really good. I liked them, blah, 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 blah. We went to go see TFA. The Force Awakens opens in theater. And this new character, this new wonderful hero called Rey shows up. And my wife, that was that. She fell in love with the character, fell in love with the movie, fell in love with BB-8. Loved it. I've seen TFA 150 times easily. Um... And I don't mind. I like rewatching Star Wars movies. But uh, she really got into it there. And then she decided she really liked Jawas because she likes the toy of the Jawas. She actually doesn't really like Jawas for movies that much. I don't know. Everybody's got their thing. But she loves the toy of the Jawa. And she started collecting him. And the only reason why is because there were leftovers. Um, I, I would be completing my complete set. And there'd be leftovers all over here. Um, laid out where I have my overflow and she would grab out the Jawas and over time that Jawa became a bucket of Jawas and over time that became a focus and lots of carded and stuff like that uh, next up Jason Griffin is Kim Simmons confirmed for ICCC this year yes sir Kim Simmons is confirmed Kim Simmons is a great guy he's been there at like every single IC meetup since day one and uh, yes he will be there he will be signing autographs and I heard tell he may have a new way of bringing you folks uh, his photo prints uh, that he can sign there for you and also uh, give you access to a lot more of his collection. He has a new thing he's working on. I'm very excited about it, but I don't want to spill any beans. Uh, Scott Davidson. Hey, Mike, I don't I don't have a question, but I just wanted to let you know that your group has really rejuvenated my love of, of collecting. Before I found Facebook groups, I had no idea how to share my passion. I loved collecting, but it was really lonely feeling. Thank you so much for bringing us together, and may the force be with you. No problem, Scott. Thank you very much. Um, that's what it's all about, brother. It's about hanging out with a bunch of like-minded people that are nerds that collect the stuff you collect, so we all have stuff to talk about because there's more than one of us, which is very, very good. There's more than one Boba Fett, which is very, very good. Garen Overfield. If it wasn't Fett, who would your obsession be? Probably AT-AT Driver. I really dug him. When I was a kid, AT-AT Driver was like my Boba Fett, my Stormtrooper, my everything. I just had Snowtroopers otherwise, Darth Vader, stuff like that. But uh, that AT-AT Driver, I think he's awesome. I think if he had a little bit of a different sculpt. But to tell you the truth, I even like it because it's like an olden-timey spacesuit. I, I dig it. ATAT driver for sure. Bob Freyer, mind if I send you some pics of what I've done? Uh, sure. Keep them clean. <laughs> uh, Eddie Krieger, Mike, what is your take on the unlicensed ceramic Vader and R2 lamps? I have one of the plaster molds for each, not for sale. Eddie, um, I don't know. They were kind of cool. You mean the, the ceramic ones from back in the day, right? Um, they definitely look extremely dated. Uh, the molds would be cool as a historical type thing. Um, I don't know. I don't have any of them. I probably wouldn't personally purchase one, but I'm not a huge fan of large ceramic items that plug into walls. Um, 
to tell you the truth, and that's so funny because my wife, she also collects the Department 56 Snow Village, and she has like a huge snow village in there. Uh, you may have seen some of the pictures I take. Uh, at Christmas time, I throw an ad ad in there or something, but uh, she she's the one with the, the habit of buying things that are ceramic and heavy and plug into walls. I, I like small and plastic. Next up. Michael, did you find the guys with the Uze card backs from one of the last shows? Oh, you were asking me. He was in the back. If anybody hears this, he was in the back of the IC meetup. I can't remember who it was. I think he was sitting next to Mike Vogut, um, but I'm not sure. He had some Uze card backs for trade. And uh, if you're still out there, who, whomever you are and you hear this podcast, Leo Verloop, V-E-R-L-O-O-P, is looking for those Uze card backs. Um... Bob Frayer, Walrus Man, all day. He loves Walrus Man. That's cool. Oh, he was talking about art. B.W. Connor, hi, Mike, you the man. Well, thank you very much, folks. We are coming up on 30 minutes, so that should be enough here. Um, that's all I need from you. Next time, uh, oh, there's another question. I'll do this one last question. But after this question, we are going to be all set, and uh, I'm going to end the live podcast. I have the 30 minutes for the Ask Mike section, and we'll do this again because it seemed to work really, really well, and I like to be able to connect with you directly like this. One last question here from Nat Rains. What are you most excited about this year's ICCC that's different or new from last year. Well, I know you want to say want me to say things like uh, the video game tournament, the VIP will be bigger and better, uh, all the guest stars. There's tons of guest stars, way more than double the guest stars, um, way more than maybe not double the vendors, but darn close. Um, I don't know. I'm excited that it's the ASP. Me personally, what am I excited for? I'm excited for the 15 other people that are running departments that let me do stuff like this. I mean, last year I couldn't even record a podcast episode. There just wasn't enough time. But now I have the ability to do that because wonderful people. So thank you very much for your question, Nat. What am I most excited about, Nat? Nat, I am most excited about ICCC security, headed by the edge security detail, full of uh, very, very serious individuals. Um, and I'm very seriously looking forward to meeting you all again and seeing you all again and hanging out. I'm looking forward to you all coming down for ICCC in September. And thank you very much for, uh, thank you very much for writing. Thank you very much for commenting. And I'm going to let you go now. You have a great night and listen out for a new episode of IC Star Wars. It should be coming out, I'm hoping Friday. Um, and Ron Salvatore is the guest star. So tune in for that. Have a great night. Have a great day. Um, see you in September. Well, there it is. Please let me know if you enjoyed that new Ask Mike format. Now it is time for your Jedi training for Episode 16 of IC Star Wars, where we dive into R2-D2, Solid Dome. Only a fully trained Jedi Knight, with the Force as an ally, will conquer Vader and his Emperor. If you end your training now, if you choose the quick and easy path, as Vader did, you will become an agent of evil. First, as always, with our Jedi training, we will go on over to StarWars.Fandom.Com and we will read what they have to say about R2-D2.
R2-D2, pronounced R2-D2, and often referred to as R2, was an R2 series astromech droid manufactured by industrial automation with masculine programming. A smart, spunky droid serving a multitude of masters over his lifetime, R2 never had a full memory wipe, apart from a partial mid-wipe by Cad Bane during the build-up to the Senate hostage crisis. Nor has he received new programming, with these factors resulting in adventurous and independent attitude, oftentimes finding himself in pivotal moments in galaxy history, his bravery and ingenuity save the galaxy time and time again. Uh, it goes on and on. I highly suggest you go check it out. But let's do what we're here to do and jump into the vintage figure of R2-D2 Solid Dome. R2-D2 a-N-H, like A New Hope. It's R2-D2, the original one from 1977. Uh, his availability, where could you find him? You would be able to find him on many different uh, card backs. He was made at the beginning of the line, so he was constantly put on uh, put on different card backs in baggies, stuff like that. Uh, he was on Meccano and Letty and Palatoy and PvP and Takara and Kenner baggies and Kenner mailaways and Kenner Canada and Clippers and Star Wars and New Hope, Empire Strikes Back cards. R2 with the Solid Domes, he was in even early bird packages. So he was in a lot of different packages um, and he was even all the way to uh, not Power of the Force right he should have been power of the force but uh no he was pop-up r2 by that time um the way you could tell r2 lots of ways uh what i highly suggest is going on over to a site like the imperial gunnery because the easiest way with identifying certain variants of star wars figures is uh knowing people in the community the easiest way by far is having a buddy that has a star wars or a uh Star Wars R2-D2 Focus, a vintage Focus, and uh, just reaching out to them and being like, hey, bro, uh, what does this mean? And they know everything. Um, but the second easiest way is to go to a website like the Imperial Gunnery or uh, SWCA, the Star Wars Collector's Archive, or one of these websites that are have documented really well documented pictures of every single different one so if you think you might have a lily letty one you can match up the sticker and see where the different printings are of the different because like right around the vents on his midsection um there's a lot of differences those little boxes have very minute differences which allow you to figure out which one is which one there are tons of repro stickers so be very careful when buying r2d2s uh, they come in different types of plastic there's hard plastic there's a pvc type plastic uh, they have ones with taiwan coos hong kong coos everything there's there's uh it's really it's really really vast um he did come in a bunch of different dome colors uh the lighter blues uh i do know the lighter blues come as taiwan r2d2s uh it's not only on taiwan r2d2s um it's tough with r2 there's there's a million different variations so it's really tough to dive into them uh that far also the way the sticker connects on the side of the the torso uh the stripe on the legs it all depends for lily letty uh an easy tell but also something that is very easily swappable is underneath r2d2's head is a screw uh 
And that screw on Lily Letty is a flathead screw as opposed to a Phillips head screw. Uh, but, I mean, any hardware store and that could be swapped out. So it's best to really go to a website that is trusted and dedicated to making all that information available to you um, and matching up the pictures to find out exactly what you have. Uh, I said uh, a lot because R2 is definitely not my focus. I do think he's a really cool part of the Star Wars world. I have one right here in front of me, which I am picking up. And his label is real, but it is totally ripped. And he has this little thing inside him. I don't know if you could hear. But he just has this little clicker inside him for action sounds. And uh, that's about it. He is pretty neat. He was a really good toy. He is a really good toy. And if you're looking for just one to put on your desk at work, it's a great one to choose. And everybody knows who R2 is. So you strike up a conversation and you say, hey, you got any vintage at home? Because I collect. <laughs> well, thank you very much for listening to your Jedi training this week. Now we're going to go on over and we're going to do our special guest star interview with Ron Salvador. Ron is a super collector with prototypes and retailer catalogs and store displays and toy fair promotional items. And he has more, shoot, way more knowledge and information and even toys than I could ever imagine having. But uh, he's going to come on. He's also the co-editor over at theswca.com. That's the Star Wars Collector's Archive. You've heard me mention it a bunch of times on the podcast. It's really where, uh, if you have something weird and you're not sure what it could be, that's definitely the place to go look. So let's jump right into the interview for episode 16 of IC Star Wars with Ron Salvatore. The Emperor has been expecting you. Hey, Ron, how you doing? Uh, pretty good. How are you doing? Very good. Very good. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I know it's tough uh, out there to get to know somebody really quick in a quick interview, but here at IC Star Wars, we do a lightning round to break the ice. So are you ready? Oh, geez. I'll, I'm as ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> it's an easy one. It's an easy one. Plus, you have good Star Wars knowledge. You'll be fine. Uh, okay. What's your favorite Star Wars movie? Oh, geez. I'm going to be boring and say The Empire Strikes Back. That's okay. Boring is kind of nice when it comes to that one, man. Yeah. What's your, what's your favorite part about it? What's What's the reason that it draws um, The Empire? I like the way that it, it, it takes the core characters, you know, which are, you know, I don't want to say flat in the original Star Wars movie, but are pretty sort of, you know, bold outlines and kind of it kind of fills them in in an interesting way. Uh, I, I like the way it expands on the, the relationships, the friendships between the core characters uh, kind of brings them to a peak there by the end of the movie, which is, uh, I, think, I think, something that uh, people at that time maybe weren't expecting from a, a pop culture movie like that. But I think it does a really great job at, at sort of building on what Star on the raw materials of, of Star Wars. Nice. It wasn't just because it was the the first movie with Boba Fett in it? Uh, <laughs> it wasn't because of that, although Boba Fett is pretty cool, I'll give you that. Hey, thanks. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite Star Wars character? Uh, favorite character jeez that's a tough one it's tougher than you'd think uh, i guess i'll go with um princess leia I, I always liked princess leia especially in the first two movies nice what's your favorite uh wave of star wars toy line from a new hope to the last jedi um tough one uh i i'll give two separate answers if that's okay yeah, first one I like the original the original Star Wars line because it's so varied. You know, at that point, Kenner was making a lot of oddball items, which they stopped doing later on. And I, and I like the, the oddball items in a lot of ways. So mm -hmm. 
I'm very fond of that original Star Wars line. And then uh, more sentimentally, I think The Empire Strikes Back was probably the line I remember the most when I was younger. So I, I've always had, you know, somewhat something of an attachment to that particular line. But definitely the first two. You know what? I got a question for you that's a little bit off from the normal uh, lightning round thing. But sure. They all right. I got some. Uh, I don't really collect much else besides Star Wars. But I got some uh, Butch and Sundance Kid figures, right? Yeah. And those were before Star Wars. Yep. No now doubt. the thing is, they had quick draw action. Why didn't they give Actually, Han Solo Butch, some quick draw action? Um, <laughs> Butch and Sundance were right after Star Wars. Actually, was it right? after? Ah, so new was tech. 17. I don't know. I think it was like 79. There is, there is a prototype of Han that I think a collector on Facebook owns it. I, I'm not, I don't know if he wants his name known, but there is a collector who owns it, right? And I, and I think it's mocked up to have a quick draw oh, feature cool. like that. So it might have been something that they thought of for Star Wars and then that ended up in Bush and Sundance, which was, I think, I think it was 79. Um, so the, you're right. That would have been super cool, especially for the scene in the cantina, right? Yeah, so Han and Greedo two pack, you know, with quick draw um, action, that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then Kenner obviously used it for Indiana Jones, right? So it did sort of end up in a star Wars related toy line, but, uh, it, it certainly would have been cool to see Han being able to do that, especially with the cantina playset. Sure enough. Well, here's a, uh, a tough, uh, lightning round question, but, uh, Luke Hoth versus Han Hoth. With the weapons they were packaged, mm -hmm. who wins and why? <laughs> oh, jeez. You see, they came tough the... package because Luke had no saber, so it's yeah. And well, he had that big rifle. It's on. <laughs> no, the realist in my mind says that there's no way that 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 Luke is gonna get the the draw on Han. That Han's gonna win that battle every time, right? But yeah. uh, uh, the toy collector in me, I, I like the Luke Hoth figure quite a bit more. So I'm, I, I guess I'd I'd be rooting for Luke Hoth. <laughs> <laughs> Even though you know that's not the way it's gonna go down. Han's yeah, gonna you know, I, I don't, I don't picture Luke beating Han in a gun battle. That right. seems, uh, seems wrong somehow, right? <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> Lucasfilm gives you a call tomorrow, and they say you get to choose the next spinoff. What do you pick? Oh, jeez, that's a tough one, man. <laughs> I would like to see something in the Star Wars universe. And probably everyone's gonna dislike me to say this, but I would like to see something that's. Got no no lightsabers, no hardly any Jedi Knights, you know, no bounty hunters, and it's just about like um, totally new stuff just in the Star Wars galaxy where it's uh, we find out sort of what's happening in some weird part of the galaxy. Just a, something completely original. That'll probably never happen because it's not marketable, but that's what I'd like to see. Right. I think you're going to have to stick to the books, brother. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I guess. Do they do that in the books? Yeah, I don't, you get I, some random things in the books like that. Yeah. I, I really liked, I don't remember what it was. It was an old book, but it was like uh, Tales from Jabba's Palace. And it had all the little stories okay. of all the little random people that were at Jabba's Palace. It was neat. Yeah. That's um, cool. That's part of my disappointment sometimes with some of the, the Star Wars stuff is that it's like, it seems they just go back to the well. And it's like, well, we need to have X, Y, and Z in this. So we're just going to switch them around in a different way and present it the same, you know, which I guess I understand that. And I understand why people like that, but it gets a little, I would like to see something that's just completely off, off the wall in a way. Right. Right. So Ewok adventure. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm down for that. Nice. Well, great lightning round, brother. Uh, I want to. I, I know who you are, but I want to fill in our listeners. Ron is a vintage Star Wars super collector. He's a co-editor of VSWCA.com, and uh, since his collection has been so vast and become so vast over all these years, he's been collecting forever. But uh, he now collects Kenner items that were not released commercially, like store displays, retailer catalogs, toy fair promotional items, pre-production, and prototype items. Um, so that's what I know about, Ron, but uh, we're going to fill you in with some essay questions. So without further delay, are you ready for some essay questions, Ron? Uh, sure, I'm ready for anything, Michael. All right. <laughs> what is your first Star Wars memory, either the toy or the movie? Oh, man. My first memory, you know, memories are, are a tough one, right? Especially when you're that young. But um, Star Wars is the first movie that I want to see based on what my parents tell me and what I sort of remember, but I would have been three or four at the time, I think, right? So I don't remember it super clear, but I do sort of remember my father talking about it and saying, you want to go see a movie and sort of like explaining what a movie was and what Star Wars was, because this is all a novel thing. And I remember not being able to read The Crawl um, and, and being annoyed by that and like wanting my father to read it to me, but him not being able to because it, it was in the movie theater, you know? Right. Uh, and I remember like the early scenes of being scared of Darth Vader and scared of the cantina. That's about it. You know, as far as that goes, it's probably 78 or so. Um, so I guess that's my earliest memory uh, of Star Wars in general. Uh, my earliest toy memory was being at a friend's house probably in 1980 or 1979 and him having an Obi-Wan Kenobi figure. And uh, he, he was he was pretending. I remember it must have been after Empire came out because I remember he was pretending it was a ghost talking to Luke. And and, and at that point, I don't know if I, I uh, maybe it was right before I saw Empire Strikes Back. But then I, I got my first figure, which was an R two D two. So I guess that's my earliest toy memory. Nice. I actually saw that while I was Googling you, of course, because uh, you were coming oh, yeah, out for yeah. an interview. But I saw it was R two. That's why R two is going to be our figure this. Uh, this podcast oh yeah and it's just some basic it was info. An empire card um obviously before sensor scope and then yeah some kids who lived in my I, I a lot of older kids lived in my in my uh, area there my uh, neighborhood and they i had a creek in the back of my house and it, somehow that got wet and the sticker got all ruined which is rare for me for figures but i still have that figure yeah <laughs> nice <laughs> any tips i i know you collect the store displays and retail catalogs tons of display uh tons of paper items any tips on how to store those because like i run into like just boxes upon boxes where they're laying flat and it's not really good because when you go yeah. through them you damage stuff the hot tip for the uh the guy or the gal who is uh wants to be a collector who's taking it to the next level and collect, collects paper items is to buy a um a flat file uh so the flat file is basically a giant um file cabinet you know with with uh with drawers you know so there's very thin drawers and you say there's like four or five drawers and each one you pull out and you can stack flat items in there you know and maybe it's it goes back four and a half feet or so and you know is five feet uh across so you can put a, a large flat item into each drawer and several large flat items into each drawer so uh, i have two of those stacked on top of each other and they have a bunch of stuff in there and it's i really have a hard time imagining not having those at this point i think you know i could 
anybody who's interested, I could send you the information for a company that that does them. You know, I I bought them from the company that Steve Sansby got his from. I think I asked him where he bought his, and he gave me a link. Uh, so I I think it's like a thousand dollars to buy one unit, so it's not cheap. But if you have a lot of paper stuff, you know that is that is an awesome way to do it. Uh, for display purposes, you know, I did a blog post on the SWCA blog a few years back about uh, a pretty good way to cheaply protect large store display items, which is um, to buy some some rolled mylar. You know, mylar is a mm-hmm. inert archival material, and there's a company called Bags Unlimited where you can buy rolls of this stuff, and then buy some acid-free foam core, and you can basically you know, cut the foam core to size, put the display on there, and then put the, the mylar over it and tape it on the back, and it ends up being real sturdy, uh, and and it's visual, so you can kind of have those out there and, and hold them around without damaging them. I know Sean and Ryan Lamkul have, have done that with a bunch of their things, because uh, I remember going, I went to their house a while back, and they had a bunch of stuff stored that way, so. That's cool, man. I, I'll tell you what, when we're off, if you have time, just shoot me the links to those two things, and I'll put yeah, them down absolutely. in the description when I'm doing this. And then, Because uh, people ask me all the time, and I'm like, I don't know. I just have this box, and I try to keep it safe. And it's totally in the way. And the problem is when you lay boxes that flat, they're taking up so much real estate anyway. So something like that with drawers would be clutch, at least for me. Cause, uh, it is awesome. And then you can real put estate stuff on top is of, important. Yeah, you can put <laughs> stuff on top of the flat files, too, so it's you know not completely wasted. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the other thing is you can get them graded or, or just get acrylic cases. But the problem there is that, especially for large pieces, you're talking about a weighty item. And then you need it take, still, take still takes up a lot of space. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure that's going to solve your problem if you have a lot of stuff. Right. Yeah, my my uh, my house looks like a Bennigan's, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I was just cleaning up some stuff earlier. And I'm just like, how did I get, you know, how do I get these things? I can't, you know, just, uh, I need more space. Yeah, that's a trick. Um, what got you into collecting the store displays and the catalogs and stuff like that, the paper items? I just kind of like, you know, I'm always interested in marketing, and I like the uh, the graphics. I like looking at the way these things are sold. Uh, I really like paper items that are, you know, like movie posters and things like that where mm-hmm. there's art on there or, or sharp graphics, and I can look at the way it was designed, and, you know, it pops out. That's just kind of what I like, and then – I think I like the aspect of, say, store displays that it ties into the toy line and it really kind of gives you a story related to the toy line. But it's also something that you couldn't bought and you couldn't buy in a store even at the time. Right. So uh, I like stuff like that. You know, it, it, it's more special or action figures. I love those, too. But you know, everybody has had those and has seen those forever. Store displays is kind of OK. In order to in order for this to have survived, someone had to get it and then save it because it's not like something that was available commercially. Right. Uh, and you know, once, once it gets going, and I got a few, it's like, oh, let's, geez, let's try to get more of these. And you know, it's been years and years, and you're still doing it. You know, the same for catalogs and stuff like that. You know, I just, I like literature related to the toys and the the informational a- aspect. And you know, there's a lot of stuff we I've learned about the toy lines or just stuff that was available that I would not have known unless I found found it in a catalog. You know, it, that provides a lot of information about how these things were were out there and how people had a chance to buy them. So uh, there's a, a research and informational aspect to all that as well. Actually, I had an item up at Celebration I was looking into uh, that, I don't know if you saw it, but the Slave One Carbonite block, um, 
and um, I was checking it out, not... and I was talking with the guys at Cantina Collectibles, and uh, they checked it out. And then uh, I talked to Steve Sansweet, he checked it out, and I talked to Duncan and Gus, and they checked it out. And then we eventually got to a place where it was folks think they may have seen it in some catalog. So I'm going to have oh, to pick okay. your brain about that one. It was something uh-huh. that Steve Sansweet had a picture, and it said, going, 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 gone on it. Interesting. Not the one with the droids figures. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I'd like so, to I don't I know. Like to so, celebration. So yeah. yeah. So when you're flipping through the books, man, if you happen to see a weird looking carbonite block that's clear or yellow, let me know. <laughs> yeah, you know, I just stuff like that, you know, just in, as an example, you're probably familiar with the Luke the Luke Jedi and Robes figure. Yeah. It was, you know, prototype and never released. It's basically early version of Luke Jedi in Jedi robes rather than in the black outfit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was out there for a while, and there was a lot of debate about what it was. You know, some people thought it was a, a, a an earlier figure, maybe that was abandoned, and then other people thought it was like a Power of the Force, you know, figure, uh, a post Power of the Force figure, I should say. Well, Chris Fawcett, I think when Stefan Falcourt came out with his book about French uh, collectibles, he had a scan of a a Meccano catalog in there, and and sure enough, one of those pictures showed an early. Return of the Jedi figure lineup, and, and one of the figures was a Luke, a Luke, Luke and Robes, right? You could see mm-hmm. it through the the outside robe. You can see underneath it was the Luke and Robes figure, and you know that pretty much proved that it was an early Luke Jedi. So you know there's a great example of uh, somebody, in this case Chris Fawcett, picking up on something in the catalog and it kind of rewriting collecting history in a way. So I, I like stuff like that, you know. Yeah, you no, it's never know what you're gonna. It's a very Indiana Jonesy, you know. You feel yeah, like sure you're enough. digging and, and digging and you're, ah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like theories are one thing. You know, it's great. Everybody's got a theory, but you find a piece of paperwork or something and it refers back to, to this or there's a picture of it in a certain in a certain time frame and it gives you a lot of information. And, you know, that's how we learn about stuff. Absolutely. Well, prototypes and pre-production have been major buzz over the past few years. What got you interested in them? Because I know you started collecting them way back in the day when oh, it wasn't the biggest yeah. thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably one of the people you can blame unfortunately for these things being worth so much money it's but all your fault <laughs> sometimes i wonder i'm like jeez i see people throwing money and stuff i'm like god what did what did this spawn you know i never saw this coming uh yeah i think that um i got into that the first time i really ever thought about that was surely seeing uh, the steve the steve sansweet book from concept to screen to collectible mm-hmm. uh there's he has several pictures in there you know he took them at kenner or got those photos from kenner people and a lot of the books about the development of the toys. So, I mean, I don't think it dawned on me when I saw the book that I could own that stuff, but it was like awesome to see and just thinking like, wow, wow, there's the original sculpt for, you know, the micro Luke on Tauntaun or something like that. And then uh, after I got online and really started to meet a lot of people, same people that are around today, like Gus and Chris Julius and people like that, you know, those guys had probably had the same idea upon seeing Steve's book and also had gotten to know Steve Denny, who's a Cincinnati collector who collects a lot of prototypes. You know, he's kind of the guy who found a lot of this stuff or, you know, he, he's the source of like all the proof cards, you know, found a lot of stuff. The first guy to really hunt down stuff in Cincinnati. Um, and so those guys had had a few things of their own already and were buying stuff. And so when I became tight with them, it kind of just took off from there. Uh, and, you know, I got more and more prototypes, you know, and that became a major vein of my collecting but you're right. At that time, there are people interested, you know, especially in unproduced toys. You know, there have always been people interested in a rocket firing Boba Fett, but mm-hmm. people interested in, say, like a hard copy 
prototype or something like that, I would say there wasn't a ton of awareness about it. You know, there was, that stuff had value, but it wasn't like it is today where it's like the people are just like ravenous for this stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, I, you know, I guess I got, got into it from an interest and from a sort of a knowledge of what it was and also just because, you know, I, I fell in with some friends who were doing stuff like that and it kind of went from there. See, the minimal things that I do involving those, because I started so late. Well, I got back into it so late. But the minimal things I do involving those, it's because if you do the regular figures all the time and you've gotten to a certain point in your collection where you've had all the regular figures kind of deal, it, yeah. it's really, really neat. That's even why I like bootlegs, too, and stuff like that. It's really, really neat to see something that's completely out there and different. Yeah. Um, and prototypes and pre-production are definitely like that because well, uh, you usually see a big difference, like a Boba Fett that shoots rocket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot of guys in that boat. You know, I think you're right. There's a lot of people. Back when I first started collecting, the thing to do is, like, I'm going to get all the figures on card and I'm going to get all the Kenner items in box. Um, and then people would do that and get kind of bored. And it's like, okay, what's next? And now people don't even do that. They just, some, some of them go right to prototypes, which is a, an interesting thing. Um, they just pick up on it. Like, this is the this is the high-level thing to do, so I'm going to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, that's the way the hobby has evolved. Sometimes I think it's unhealthy, to be honest. You know, I look at some of these things, and I'm like, this guy is paying X amount for something that, yeah, is not is not a production item technically, but is also not all that interesting, but – it's at the value at this point, that's the market value. So right. you're just, if you want that item, you're going to throw a million dollars, you know, whatever it is, $10,000 at it. Uh, maybe, maybe there's better things that people could be collecting. So I've tried to, <laughs> I've tried to encourage people for a while. I'm like, Hey, prototypes is not necessarily what you want to get into because it's expensive and there's not much out there that's good. And a lot of people end up buying stuff that I personally would consider not that interesting for prices that are sky high. Um, so then there's other stuff is, to collect. It's, it's, it's really tough without the knowledge. Um, you could definitely get hit or make a mistake, yeah. a big mistake. Or, or, you know, a lot of people buy stuff that, you know, from crazy prices. And I think, well, geez, I wouldn't have paid that for that. But then three years later, they sell it for twice as much. So I'll be an idiot. Right. So, I mean, what are you, uh, what are you going to do at, at this point? You know, I feel like I'm just watching stuff happen in the hobby and it changes. And I'm just like, well, I never thought i'd see that happen but it happens you oh, know i hear you brother i've been wrong too man I, i've told you yeah the the story about the rocket fet there where it was 30 grand and i was buying it and it was afa 85 and yeah. uh i was like well i think 30 grand is just too much and i was trying to get it for 25 and then it sold and then the next one sold for like 83 at eight. <laughs> oh yeah i mean i never i still don't have one of those right so i never got one just because it always was something that I would get, I was like, ah, oh, if I'm going to get one, I'll get one down the road. Yeah, and uh, when I got into one. it, they were probably $3,000 pieces, you know, oh. and, and that was a lot of money then. And man, we, we found me and me and my friends found bunches of those in Cincinnati and always sold them because they were worth more. It was better to get the money out of them and then put it into something else than it was to, to keep one, you know? So I never ended up with one, but then I did have a chance to buy one for 20, 20 grand, like five years ago mm. and that was about the market value then and boy i kicked myself for not buying that one just because there's so much more money now but even at the time i'm like 20 i was like do i really like this twenty thousand dollars worth you know right. 
yeah, I don't know. You know, it's just, I know you love it. It's like it's your favorite piece, right? But well, it's not my favorite piece. I don't even have one. But well, uh, I, mean, I just I've bizarre, always wanted though. to shoot one, man. I always want to shoot one, and yeah. I know nobody's ever gonna let me shoot their hundred thousand Boba Fett. Yeah. So. Well, <laughs> I'm like, that's a great piece, a great story. You know, I I would like to have one just for the collection. But on the other hand, it's always been something that's like, do I really want to spend that much? And I think about it. I was like, I could buy that or I could buy this other thing. And I always go with the other thing. So or you could literally have the best weekend in Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, right. That'd be a pretty good weekend, my man. It's yeah. just like you going crazy at the craps tables forever. And sure God knows but um, yeah, now the price is so high that, uh, you know, where's it going to go? I mean, obviously – you could be looking at one of those things like the Honus Wag- Wagner baseball card where it's just a legendary collectible that, you know, is a status symbol type thing. Uh, I think we're at that point now, I think. Right. So right. just one well, of those it's, it, I'm not worried about it, man. I'm going to find one in a bin for under a dollar. You are going to get one. I can see <laughs> this in your future. Uh, if you don't end up with one at some point, I will, I will be very upset. I'll get one. Don't you worry, man. I'm, I'm, Ever since I'm way I've too seen annoying. Shows, you've been talking about getting one of those. Yeah. Well, dude, I held uh, – the problem was, you, you know, uh, Daryl, uh, I, I held his up in Cincinnati once. And yeah. it was like, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like whatever most <laughs> addictive thing you could put in your hand ever in the history of the world, that's what it was. <laughs> uh, well, but we'll I'll see. Get there. Look, one of these days someone's going to someone's gonna put one in front of your nose, and I, I bet I bet you'll have a shot. I'm, I'm excited. I'm ready. Keep my number. Good luck. <laughs> Thanks, brother. You too. <laughs> what's the uh, What's your favorite? If you had to pick a favorite, what's your favorite Star Wars item in your collection? Oh man, it's hard. You know, someone else just asked me that question, and uh, it's always a hard thing. I, I don't really necessarily have one, but the the the, the good answer I would give is or the answer I like is uh, I have a a scrapbook, and it, maybe it's an answer that'll disappoint people because it's not something that's worth a bazillion dollars or anything. But I have a scrapbook that I. Uh, a woman named Marlene uh, Rios, who lived in Modesto, so George Lucas's hometown, in the in the 70s and 80s, and she put together this scrapbook of every time Star Wars was in the newspaper, particularly like an ad, like a toy ad, mm-hmm. and she filled this scrapbook day after day, week after week for you know 10 years or whatever it is, and it's a pretty hefty thing, and it's got like it's like a whole history of how the toy line was advertised in Modesto over that 10-year period, so. Uh, that's unique. I've never seen anything else like it, and I love all that advertising stuff. So, I, you know, I, I'd say that's really a favorite item of mine. Nice. No, that's really neat, man, especially when somebody puts in so much time and it's respected afterwards instead of just being tossed in the garbage or something like that. Yeah, there's really a lot of personality cool to it. Uh, every time someone visits me, they, they spend – or a lot of people do. They they spend like more time looking at that book than they do at all the stuff in my cases and everything. So that's definitely a favorite item. Well, tell our listeners uh, a little bit about the Star Wars Collectors Archive. For those of uh, those of them that don't know what it is, um, go ahead and just tell us what it is. Oh, geez, uh, harder question easy. than you'd imagine. But it's a website, right? So it's a website based on Star Wars. At this point, it's mostly vintage Star Wars. It didn't start out that way because. There was less of a line between vintage and non-vintage back then. 1994 is when it started. Um, Gus Lopez is, is obviously the, the like the grand poobah of the website, right? So he started it, um, and it, it was basically at the time. This is 1994, right? So remember, if you wanted to see pictures of someone's collection, you had to ask them to send you actual prints, right? So right. this is before digital photography in any sort of you know widespread sense, and it was difficult to send a picture over the internet at that time. So 
the web browsing was just sort of a new thing. And, you know, Gus got the idea that, you know, people could send him pictures and he'd put it on this website and it'd be like a virtual museum and a way for people to see these rare items without having to leave their home, you know, which was, you know, an interesting idea. Uh, and, you know, I got involved in 96, 97, you know, to help out. I think it was me, Gus, and Chris Dragulias were the three guys who were there. Maybe Chris Nichols was doing tech stuff. And John Wooten came on board a little bit after. And it was basically, at the time, just entries. You know, this is, okay, here's a rocket firing Boba Fett. You know, it belongs to this guy. He's credited with the photo, and there'd be a description, you know, as, as good as we could get it. Uh, and it kept expanding, and especially when we started finding a lot of prototype stuff, a lot of it would get thrown on there. So a lot of the knowledge from prototypes that people online got came through the archives. So I think that's why it has like a, a reputation among people for prototype stuff, because back in the day, that was kind of the source for all that info as it was, as we were learning it. Uh, and, you know, over the years it's expanded. We went to a database model from the old hand, hand jamming model originally. And uh, it's expanded with, you know, Duncan Jenkins and Gus Lopez have, 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 added their entire catalog from their price guide, you know, the whole, mm -hmm. probably the most extensive list of, you know, what was made, you know, what, what was licensed from Star Wars. So you could find that all on there on the database. So if you want to find out, hey, who made the, the, the sun catchers for the Empire Strikes Back line, you can go on there and find the licensee and hopefully find some photos and whatnot. So it's expanded on that level. And uh, we added a blog maybe five years ago, which probably sees the most action nowadays. So you'll find a lot of you know, every there's probably three or four posts a month on the blog. You know, various articles from different people, uh, and, and we have a podcast. Also, Sky Sky Payne and uh, Steve Danley do the um, uh, the Kivecast, mm -hmm. which is sort of monthly. You know, sometimes it'll be a you know quasi monthly, let's say. And uh, I guess that was the first vintage collecting podcast around. And you know, so uh, at this point, it's a pretty widespread thing. Um, uh, there's a lot of different collecting information through those various outlets that are connected to the archive. Uh, we also put on a party at Celebration, which has become a big thing. I know you were there last time with yes, your Yes, it was very, very good. Uh, yeah, that was awesome. So Sky and Steve are mostly responsible for putting on that, but it's called the Archive Party. So any listeners want to check that out at the next Celebration, uh, please do. That, that, that's become a very cool event with all the money going to charity. Um and we have a Facebook page, which if you're interested in, in the archive in general, I would just subscribe to that. And most of the stuff that happens, you know, on any of those outlets gets updated on that Facebook page. So, you know, hopefully that that sort of answers the question. Without yeah, definitely. I'll tell you. Yeah, no, it's great, man. Uh, but from personal experience, my personal experience, um, the Star Wars Collector's Archive, it's very easy to find. You can find it on the Googles, but uh, you can also www.theswca.com. Uh, but it, it's really helpful for anything that's not the normal type item. Uh, anything that's not the normal type item, if you go crawl around the Star Wars Collector's Archive, and if you can't find it there, I highly suggest Googling whatever the word is and then adding Star Wars Collector's Archive after it. Um, yeah. But you find literally everything man if you want a picture of some random polish bootleg it's there if you want a picture uh, like uh, i got a b-wing um a lily letty b-wing and uh i bought it three four years ago and it ended up being the one that's on the actual star wars oh, collector's oh, website yeah. dude and uh 
But when I was originally looking at the B-Wing, I was like, well, how do I tell if this is real? And there's a picture right there and a description. So there's a lot of stuff like that that's really, really helpful. And uh, without a place like the Star Wars Collector's Archive, I mean, you would never be able to... You know when you find something weird in a bin and then you're going through it and you're trying to find information on it? Star Wars Collector's Archive is probably going to be the place that has the information that you're looking for. And when you find out it's a real rocket-firing fet, you just give me a mess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I guess, you know, what, what your uh, description there is kind of the intent, you know, to, to help people figure stuff out like that. You know, I do apologize that it's not more easily navigated, navi- more easily navigated um, than it is. I, I think we're still trailing along, you know, te- in technological terms, it, it's still pretty outdated. I wish I could wave my hands and it could no, make so everything hard. so organized and everything, but the site has kind of grown in a weird organic way since the 90s, right? So it's a little bit of a bear to navigate. But, hey, if if you have a question and you're looking for something, sometimes people email me and I'll I'll send them the link that they couldn't find and for something that is on the archive. And, yeah, for certain things like Rocket Fire and Boba Fett's, I think it's like the best source. You know, Chris Trigulius has really kept all the the Rocket Fett stuff pretty well updated. Um, and there's some stuff that's outdated, you know, I'm not going to, not going to deny it that needs to go be updated, but, uh, there's a lot of good information on there. No doubt. Yeah. Tons of good info. Um, is there a certain item that you're hunting currently? Maybe a listener, you'll get lucky and they have one. Um, yeah. Items I'm looking for. One that, that springs to mind is, uh, the, there's a display header card for a, a prepack unit for the power of the force range of figures, um, that's pretty rare. Uh, there's, you know, not that many of them out there, which is often the case with store displays, but that's one of the major store displays I've, I've never gotten my hands on. Uh, so I'm definitely looking for that. And there's also, uh, uh, which one, the, the, the early electronic game, I think it's the, uh, laser battle game, you know, that Kenner made. It's like the, the one, one with the two, two sides where the X-Wings go towards the Death Star. You gotta yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's a, a store display for that which I've often always really wanted. I don't have, it's got like a big header card. So, you know, stuff like that, you know, it's been 25 years, still don't have them. So, you know, you <laughs> they're waiting. I will say that, you know, certain things that, that are real rarities, you know, I never thought I'd get, you know, you wait long enough and you do get a chance to get them. So you never say never. Yeah. Always be hunting. That's the trick. Yeah. Um, well, Hey, you've been ridiculously supportive and ever since the first second that I even thought of ICCCon. Um, so year one, you came out, you did a panel. You were one of the first people to buy a VIP badge. Um, can I yes. ask you three questions for unbiased reviews? Uh, absolutely. Cool. All right. Did you have fun? Oh, I had an awesome time. Yeah, it was uh, It was great seeing people out there. You know, lots of my good friends went. Chris Gugulius, Brock Walker, Yehuda Kleinman, uh, other people as well. Mike Mensinger was out there. Um, we had a blast just hanging out at the show and then at the hotel afterwards, room sales was kicking. Um, it was really worthwhile. Nice. Uh, what was VIP like? Um, it was good. You know, you, it was definitely one be above and beyond to give people a, a good experience. I thought, you know, the, the, uh, there was an area where you can go in and get food, you know, for nothing. So if you needed to snack, you could go back into that area. Um, and get some food, you know, the, you could have access to the, the Shatner talk, which was cool. You know, it was like, if you've ever wanted to sit in a room and feel like you're William Shatner's buddy, that was cool. Uh, <laughs> getting in early was cool. Um, you know, no complaints. I'm assuming you're, you're going to keep, it was a first, a first time for you. Right. So, I mean, yes. for a first time proposition, I thought there was a lot of, 
a lot of thought that went into it. There's a goodie bag with some cool stuff in there. Yep. All those oh. things will be there again this year. Uh, we're just eventually in the next few weeks here, we're going to roll out the VIP thing uh, with the website and the description and all that for like the Ooh. people who didn't come last year. Um, if you came last year, you know what the VIP is going to be. But if you didn't, that information isn't attainable yet. And mm-hmm. the only reason why is because we're trying, we have this uh, actually deal with uh, Sonic restaurants. You know, the I don't know if you have them up there. But oh, yeah. Like, yeah. And they're going to put all the flyers in the Sonic bags. So we're kind of waiting to do a thing with that flyer in order to do this with it. But you came to VIP and I just wanted to get like an unbiased opinion of it. So I'm really glad you gave me that answer. That's a great answer. You got any suggestions as to things that I could change? Because they're still four months away. Um, Stuff you could change. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I think some of the stuff with the... um. The pricing levels, I think, might have been tweaked a bit. I think you maybe already did that, didn't you? The for the yeah, uh, the general admission and everything is a lot cheaper this year. Also, yeah. uh, kids are uh, ten bucks on Saturday or ten bucks for the whole weekend, and then free on Sunday. So we're trying yeah. to make it more cost effective for families. Yeah, um, I think that's a good idea. Just because, in some ways, if you're trying to get the local folks in, you know, it, it helps to to maybe make it so that it's easy for them to get there just to, to build up local interest. You know, don't put the dates on the, on the swag, you know, that, yeah, you, I want, know right? <laughs> you know, because uh, you make swag with the date on there and then you can't use it for something else. It's even worse than that, man. If anybody needs about 40 banners that I'll say 2018, let me know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I saw that when we first, I was like, Oh man, hopefully, you know, I don't know if he thought about this, but well, we corrected. Uh, we got a new logo this year, man. We'll be all right. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the logo looked good. I thought the old Thanks. one looked good. So all the branding seemed to be pretty nice. You know, like I said, you know, there's stuff you could say, hey, maybe this will be better next time. And, and I'm sure it will be. But when someone's trying to put something on, there's a lot of there's a lot of effort there, you know. And my main impression was that you had gone above and beyond to try to do something that collectors were going to have a great time at. You know, I, I certainly appreciated that and I had a real fun time and I'm hoping to go back again. Yeah, well, we'll keep it going every single year, man. So we'll see you again this year. You better be here this year. You're already on the, uh, you're already on the uh, flyer, man, doing a panel. So yeah, well, I booked, <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> yeah, well, I booked my hotel already. So uh, hopefully I haven't made plans uh, beyond that. So hopefully it's going to happen, but I'm planning on it at this, at this point, and unless something happens, I'm going to be there. I love it. Well, we'll see you there. I'm sure it's going to be great. But, yeah, uh, yeah no, I'm very excited to have you back. Thanks a lot for the uh, the uh, the two questions there. I have the third. Uh, what was one memorable experience on your trip to Nashville? Oh, Just Nashville. Jeez. Um, well, I would say... Probably the, the best experience was just hanging out with all the collectors who came out for the show, both at the show and then afterwards at the hotel. Uh, I think that's why people come out to these things. And it, it was a real good scene out there. I had a lot of good times. Um, talking to Steve Sansweet, you know, and Todd Chamberlain. Yeah, Todd Chamberlain was there. Him and Jamie set up. Peter LaRose, you know, having beers back at the hotel afterwards. Um, seeing all those folks at the show. And, you know, Todd said he did real well selling stuff. So hearing positive things from them was awesome. Nice. Uh, just just the, the community, I guess, is my favorite piece of it. Well, I think I, my, my very final question here is going to roll into this one. But you've collected tons of things over the years, way more than I have so far. But what is your favorite part of collecting? 
Uh, favorite part of collecting is definitely just all the relationships, you know, seeing, seeing people, um, having friends, you know, we just went to celebration. I know you did as well. Mm-hmm. Seeing people out there and, and again, seeing them on the floor, hanging out afterwards, going out to dinner, all that's my favorite, my favorite piece of collecting, no doubt. That was a blast. Dude, to tell you the truth, the Hyatt bar was one of my favorite parts of celebration. <laughs> oh yeah. That was a lot of fun. You know, the, the show is, you know, the show is one thing, you know, this goes for celebration yeah. or ICC show was awesome. and everything yeah. else. And then, you know, the, the after show and, and the community and, and hanging out with all the folks who come out to it, that's a whole nother thing, you know? So, uh, I think all shows are like that, you know, even the Cincinnati show, which I've seen you at before, you know, yeah, I go up to the Cincinnati um, show. same sort of, same sort of deal, right? It's, uh, you go to the show, that's a good, good time. And then you have the after show or the pre-show where you go to someone's house or you talk to people or you hang out, get drunk, whatever it is, you know, uh, all that's probably my favorite part of collecting. Nice. Well, the one last thing, brother, at the end of the uh, guest interview, we always ask for the IC Star Wars Pearl of Wisdom. Since IC Star Wars is focused on vintage Star Wars items, and our guests, like you, will be some of the most knowledgeable collectors around, I've asked every guest to give one collecting tip. It can be anything, from what to look for in the wild to this is how prototypes are made. Something I've learned from my personal experience in this hobby is that every single collector has solid info about something, but no collector knows everything. And if we all keep learning from each other, the community is going to grow. And that is what it is to be the IC. So, Ron Salvatore, what is your IC Star Wars Pearl of Wisdom? My Pearl of Wisdom is to, um, when collecting, try to find something that, an area or a focus that someone else, you know, hasn't already done to death. So don't just buy the the thing that you see everybody else buying. Um, Try to find your own little niche and uh, blow it up as best as possible. You know, the in- most interesting collections and the most interesting collectors are usually the ones that, you know, sort of forge their own way and start collecting something maybe that no one else even thought of. So I guess that's my, my piece of wisdom. I love it. And where were you six years ago when I started buying Boba Fett's? <laughs> yeah, well, Michael, well, you can maybe do Boba Fett's, but try to do uh, something Boba Fett that no one else has thought of yet. Right. But uh, that's certainly a well-plowed field, no doubt. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Well, hey, I do Top Toys, too, man, and Top Toys are weird. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting area. You know, the problem is finding something interesting to, to collect that someone else hasn't exploited. You know, there's a guy named Kevin Lentz who does, you know, book and record combos, and, you know, it's it's interesting to see how many he's put together. I never really thought of collecting those, you know, like, mm-hmm. but that's an interesting area, and he seems to get a lot out of it. Uh, people are probably listening and saying, well, heck, I'm not interested in that. I'm not going to start doing it, but... If you try something, you'd be surprised once you start putting together a collection of it, how it becomes kind of self-sustaining. And then all of a sudden, hey, this is kind of cool. You know, I have this set of stuff that nobody else has. So, you know, give it a try sometime. It's cheaper, too, than, you know, trying to buy the most expensive thing out there every single time. Yeah, for sure. Nothing wrong with the wax packs. Nothing wrong with any of that kind of stuff, man. Uh, you know what I like? I like the uh, the, the school supplies, the pencils, yeah, the pens, no, that's, those erasers. No. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can have a mainstream collection that, you know, that, that is hotly co- competitive and you can also have a sideline where you're doing something else, you know, collecting, especially over the long term is trying to find all these little areas that you can get into just to keep it going. Right. So if, if you if you're just, the only thing you're going to buy is unproduced droids and Ewoks figures, you're not going to be satisfied because they don't come up that often yeah. and you're going to break the bank buying a couple of us. And plus, your collection is going to be one shelf. Right. So. 
you know, that's fine for some people, but if you want to sustain it, you're going to have to find something that keeps you going, you know, keeps you waking up in the morning and thinking, what am I going to find today? Uh, I know that's how I look at collecting anyway. Absolutely. Is there anything else you want to plug, brother? We know www.vswca.com, but anything else? Oh, I don't think so, man. Just keep up the good work with your show, and hopefully uh, people who are listening will be encouraged to go and uh, hopefully have a good crowd and, and meet some new people out there. I appreciate it, brother. Well, we look forward to seeing you in September. Thank you very much for being on the 16th episode of I See Star Wars. I really appreciate it. All right, Michael. Thanks. Have, have a great, great day, weekend, brother. Okay? Yeah, have a great weekend. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Right. Yep, take it easy. Bye. For over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the old Republic. Before the dark times. Before the Empire. There is just one more thing I want to talk about before I let you go. Um, we are going to be starting a brand new YouTube thing. It is going to be called ICCCon First Shots. But uh, if you want to check it out, just go over to our YouTube page. Um, it's not up there yet. It will be up there in the next week or so here. It'll be www.youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Imperial Commissary. I-M-P-E-R-I-A-L Commissary. C-O-M-M-I-S-S-A-R-Y. So check it out. Um, check out the YouTube page. There's a bunch of stuff up there already, but the uh, ICCCon first shots will be coming soon, so stay tuned. Also, I wanted to tell you where you can find the original Imperial Commissary and the 22 Facebook groups. Just hop on uh, the Googles. <laughs> hop on the Googles and go on over to www.imperialcommissary.com. You can find us on Instagram at ICCC Nashville. You can find them on Twitter at ICCC Nashville. You can find them on Instagram too at ICCCon. And uh, the convention website is www.icnashville.com. The Facebook page for the convention is www.facebook.com forward slash ICCC 2019. That's about it. But I do want to mention just uh, if you would like to learn more about SWCA, go over to www www.theswca.com and uh, you can find out a whole bunch more about what we were talking about there. Also, if you need anything, contact Ron. Also, if you're looking into those displays or uh, the, the file cabinets for the, the, the sideways file cabinets, um, I will be putting up links for that in the description on the IC Star Wars page. So you can go over there to www.imperialcommissary.com forward slash IC Star Wars. Thank you very much for listening. Hopefully, I will see you really soon. Hopefully, I will see you sooner than that hopefully i'll see you in september either way and if i do not see you in september and you want to see me earlier just give me a buzz with a wild finder some boba fets and i'll see you tomorrow have a great day thank you very much for collecting thank you very much for being part of the ic and thank you very much for listening to ic star wars a podcast for collectors by collectors